When you realize what your future can be, you want to do it right. UCF Online offers more than 100 fully online programs, plus personalized support from success coaches, so you can get to the future that's right for you. From the University of Louisville's Delphi Center for Teaching and Learning. And the University of Central Florida's Center for Distributed Learning. I'm Kelvin Thompson. And I'm Tom Cavanaugh. And you are listening to TopCast, the teaching online podcast. Hey, Tom. Hey, Kelvin. How are things? Things things are things are good. Things are good. I guess, you know, we're past due for, maybe I was thinking about this, uh, for saying we do build this as a collegial conversation about online, blended, digital, teaching, learning, conducted over a shared cup of coffee. So just in case you wonder what you've stumbled into, that's what this is. That's what it is. And you will soon discover that the coffee shtick has something that has stuck around for nine years <laughs> and we're, we're not going to let it go. It's, it's with us and that's, that's why, because it's this collegial conversation among colleagues over a cup of coffee. I'm a big fan of alliteration, as you indeed. know. In, 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 indeed. No, that's, that's exactly right. And occasionally you even hear from people that say, oh, I feel like I'm having kind of a little, you know, collegial coffee chat. And yeah. I, I enjoy pouring my beverage of scotch <laughs> or possibly bourbon. No, yeah, no. whatever. Whatever floats okay. your boat whenever you're listening. In the office, having your scotch like I do. Oh, sorry. Was that at out eight, loud? Yeah. At, at, at 8 a.m. Yeah. No, that's not true. It's not that kind of podcast. No, no. Although we have gotten um, funny kind of binary uh, opinions about the banter, right? Mm -hmm. Some people sort of like, why don't you just get to your thing? And other people are like, (laughs) I kind of like the coffee talk. And, you know, as you know, we've both been handed coffee by various friends, colleagues, and listeners at conferences and things. Uh, Yeah, that's right. And so, I mean, I don't know. Well, if we only had better analytics, we could see how many people are skipping uh, this part. And somebody did tell me once, I think I told you, uh, yeah, I, I skipped past all that until I realized that you somehow tried to connect it to the topic. So <laughs> then, I, then, I, then I, 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 I tried to listen to it. Tried to listen to it. <laughs> yeah. Don't skip. Don't skip. It's, Don't skip. it's worthwhile. It's gold. Well, so speaking of all of that uh-huh, mm-hmm. coffee and connections and collegiality, I see mm-hmm. you sipping out of your mug there. Look, I saw the word dad on it. We're coming up on Father's Day as we're recording this. That's right. So um, what's in the thermos today, Dr. Thompson? Yeah, as, as I said before, I mean, I'll tell you what's in the thermos and in the cup, and then I'll tell you what was going to be, and then I'll tell you why this is the weakest connection I've ever uh, made. Um, <laughs> Let us even, be the judge of that. Not even going yeah. to try to, to, to fluff my way through it. Uh, so this is a locally roasted uh, single-origin Ethiopia Sadama, um, uh, roasted by Heine Brothers, uh, roasters here in Louisville. But my intention was between meetings to dash out across campus and get a cup of mass-produced McDonald's coffee. That's what I was going to do. And uh, and you can probably see see why that would have been a good connection. I see where that's going, yeah. But I didn't do that. So (laughs) I've got got this uh, probably superior um, cup of coffee um, from, you know, allegedly the very birthplace of coffee coffee in uh, Ethiopia, um, 
but it doesn't have quite the connection to today's topic that uh, that hypothetical uh, cup of McDonald's Joe would have. So this might be the weakest connection, but yeah. I, you could at least see the intention there. I, well, with the here's what I wanted to do setup helped a lot. <laughs> yeah, if, it, if you had just gone to the Ethiopian coffee, I would have been like, okay, I'm not getting it. Mm -hmm. um, but sort of the birthplace of coffee, mm -hmm. I sort of, mm -hmm. I sort of am getting that, and and I'll share that. Although I've finished it, what mm -hmm. was in this cup was some good old-fashioned American donut house coffee. Ooh, um, yes. So, yeah, um, that's what we're talking about. Good old-fashioned American coffee. No, good old-fashioned American learning. Donuts. Oh, oh yeah. learning. Learning. Okay. learning. Yeah, um, so that's kind of what, what today's um, today's topic is about. And as, as I like to call it, it's, it's star-spangled learning, baby. That's mm -hmm. as we approach or release this around the uh, 4th of July holiday. Yeah. We thought we'd do a little, you know, celebration of the Stars and Stripes and look at kind of what makes online learning in the U.S. of A. kind of special and unique. Yeah, that's right. And I guess some of the sourcing of this is uh, you and I, Tom, have collaborated on a chapter in a book to be discussed at another time focused on the distinct context of online education in the United States. And uh, I'll give you credit, Tom, you thought that using some of the themes from that to-be-released chapter might be appropriate given this timing uh, so close to the American Independence Day holiday, uh, which is, in case we forgot, the anniversary of the approval of the Declaration of Independence some 247 years ago in 2023. That's pretty cool. Yeah, Merca. God bless Merca. Yeah, that's um, only uh, that's only five year. No, no, no. It's like twenty twenty five years uh, older than the University of Louisville. <laughs> <laughs> really? Wow. Hey, well, I think like this month UCF celebrated its sixtieth birthday. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> Happy yeah. birthday. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday to both of us, I guess. That's right. Yeah, and America. Um, and, and America. So, yeah, so as you said, this chapter you and I uh, worked on that will be forthcoming, and maybe we can talk about that book mm -hmm. in more of the aggregate when it comes out. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. this chapter in particular does focus on kind of the uniqueness or the unique features of American higher education within the context of online learning. And, um, you know, going through that process of saying, okay, what is unique and what's different um, you know, as, as you have pointed out, um, and that was some of the things that you really kind of, I think, honed in on as we wrote this, were like, you know, U.S. has perhaps a, a, a greater than average influence mm -hmm. on the global higher education kind of mm -hmm. ecosystem, culture, expectations, even though, you know, education as a university, I mean, didn't it start in Bologna and you have mm. the University of Paris and you have all these kind of like European middle age kind of institutions. Mm -hmm. Today, though, I mean, when you think of higher ed, um, I'll give one small anecdote I may have given on the podcast before, but I was in China mm. and I was participating in a fair where high school students from around China came to uh, Beijing and they they met with all these different institutions from all over the world that were in this sort of, 
you know, convention center almost. And we're learning about schools that they could attend outside of China. And so I had an opportunity, we were part of a consortium to give a little presentation. I did a couple of these to various people who came and and um, and showed up to learn about these American institutions. And when I talked about UCF, the very first question, almost before I even started, hands went up. And the question was, what's your rank? Mm. Like, wow, um, let me tell you about you know, Orlando and our programs and stuff. And, but I had to tell them the number, right? What our rank was at the time. So when people think about higher education, they're looking at those rankings Mm -hmm. and, and those are dominated by like the U S news rankings, specifically what they were asking about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these are American ranking systems Mm -hmm. and they, they just have a real influence internationally. They certainly did in China at that time. Mm Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, I think we, we had talked about this when we were writing that chapter. We pulled a number of um, competitive uh, ranking products. Things. things yes. Right? Yes. And, you know, uh, again and again and again, uh, whether it's the top 10 or the top 20, the, the greatest proportion come from American institutions. And I think that That's was true. a point you made and at the time. And I think... That you can't argue with that, right? That um, there is this influence, and uh, which is not to take anything away from any other country. And then, uh, arguably, some of the earliest people debate what the origins of online learning are. Some people want to take it back to the '60s, you know. <laughs> but, but at least in the like for reals, like '90s a lot of the splash, the pebble in the pond, seems to have sourced to the, the U.S. and certainly the professional associations and early scholarship all in the U.S. So I think all of that maybe uh, serves to explain some of the outsized um, influence globally that American online higher ed uh, has. But some features that we, uh, that we could use to describe American online higher ed generalize others, not so much, but we thought we might comment on some of those themes. Yeah. So do you mind if I kind of start yes. with one that I, yeah. that I thought was really resonated with me as we, mm-hmm. as we work through this was that kind of the, the kind of, I don't know, independent kind of cowboy spirit mm-hmm. that, that, um, Americans have that I think is is represented in sort of a federalist uh, mm-hmm. governmental system. Mm-hmm. So this here, well, let me say, like in other countries I've been to, mm-hmm. like when I've given talks at an education conference or something in South America or as I did in the Far East, um, there's usually like a ministry of education mm-hmm. That's right. that is at a central government level that... Mm-hmm kind of oversees the higher education system within that country mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a way that's different here in that, yes, we have a, an education department in Washington, but it doesn't have the same kind of influence as a, as a ministry of education does in, in one of our other countries mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that, uh, that, you know, we, you can name almost any of them. Instead here, everything is, at least in public education, is controlled at the state level. And the mm-hmm. federal government is sort of the, the provider of funding, like, mm-hmm. you know, Title IV financial aid, for example. Mm-hmm. It's like a, you know, a major thing that, that they distribute to people. There's policies and regulations mm-hmm. that we sort of have to follow. But they're not necessarily having the same kind of influence that state governments have on institutions mm-hmm. like yours or mine. And I think that then, and if you extend that kind of independent 
like we're going to do it our way um, mentality down to online learning, it gets even, I think it becomes even more true. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this goes back to maybe a, a podcast we did not that long ago when we were talking about institutional differences, just mm -hmm. on, based on your early observations at, at Louisville. Um, each school, each institution is going to do things their own way within their own mm -hmm. context, within mm -hmm. their own state, which is different mm -hmm. from the state that, that they're next to. Mm -hmm. And I think that is, um, you can't um, overstate, I think, the importance of that dynamic mm -hmm. um, when you compare us internationally. I think that's right. I, I think that's right. And you could kind of call that a kind of centralization versus decentralization nationally. And then I think some of what you just talked about, about that variation, uh, we might also say that, that uh, there's a range of implementations at the institutional level. And that includes a range from more centralized to less centralized, more decentralized uh, models uh, across the board. Yeah, it, 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 it is true. It is um, very much a, I don't know if, if this is quite the right terminology, but it is a bit of a competitive marketplace of models and ideas, you know, across these institutional mm -hmm. implementations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, and then like within an institution, there are multiple different models within that centralized, decentralized. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, There's, mm -hmm. And these are things that we've all, we've touched on over the years in, in various episodes, but like, are your online operations kind of mainstreamed into your normal mm -hmm. opera, your, you know, academic operations of the institution? Mm -hmm. Like are you using the same terms, mm -hmm. the same faculty, the same admission, all mm -hmm. of that? Mm -hmm. Or are you set up as its own thing, like a separate mm -hmm. campus with a separate mm -hmm. admission staff and a separate, yeah. you know, tuition and everything mm -hmm. else? Um, they're both can work depending upon your context, but they, they all exist in this broad ecosystem. And then look at, you know, public versus, private, um, you're going to see, I think, a lot more variety um, across the U.S. Um, because of all these factors, plus just our size, um, than you might see at, in other institutions or other countries. Yeah, I think, I think all of that is, I think all of that is right. I think all of that is right. And then I know something that when we were conceptualizing this chapter that, um, well, there are a few things, but one that I think you put on the table early on is as maybe another particularly American idea is, is you know, the mega, the big, go big or stay home, right? <laughs> the, the rise of the mega university, the, the, and even maybe related kind of the rise of concepts like massive open online courses, you know, that kind of outsized implementation not necessarily as a model for everybody to follow, but as a as a construct that has had ripple effects. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, of course, there are exceptions. You've got something like the you know the Open University in the UK. Yes, right. There's there's I was told I have to admit I don't know a lot about it. So you know here we go talking about stuff we don't know anything about. Um, <laughs> a but distinctly like American trait. That's right. Yeah, do it with. <laughs> Do it with confidence, <laughs> right? Um, but I think there's an, a, an institution in Turkey 
that's got something mm. like close to a million students or something like mm. that. I, I, I probably should have researched that. <laughs> it just occurred to me as we were talking, but I remember mm -hmm. hearing about that in years past. And so I think there are examples, but by and large, I would stand behind the idea of the mega university as kind of an American phenomenon. Mm -hmm. When you look at schools like Western Governors and Southern New Hampshire and UMGC and ASU, yep. you know, Grand Canyon, Liberty, mm -hmm. these are schools that are really pushing to just yep. get big yep. and try to have as much impact as they possibly can. I mean, I know a lot of them are it's probably not fair. It's probably reductive of me to say they just want to get big because um, they're they're looking to serve a market and to serve mm -hmm. students who have a need. And, you know, mm -hmm. there's a demand for what they're doing. But the result of that is that they end up getting large and they're not afraid of size. Right. Mm -hmm. you know, everything's bigger in Texas. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> As they say. So I do think that is uh, somewhat unique um, in the U.S. Billions and billions served, if only. Yeah. I had trekked across campus <laughs> to get that McDonald's, get that cup McDonald's of coffee. coffee. That yeah. would have been such a great connection at this point. <laughs> would have been wonderful. Yeah. Swing and a miss. Yeah. No, I think Starbucks, right? You could have maybe done the same thing with Starbucks. Although yeah. I, I mean, I, I've seen. I, well, shoot, I, I walked into a McDonald's in China. So yep. you know, that's, and that's in right. Argent or in uh, South America as well. Uh, yeah. Abs so, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think that's right. I think the 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 mega university concept and. I don't know, I, I'm stuck lately with thinking about the reactions to, you know, because sometimes people want to emulate and it's like, really? You want to try to compete with Mega University X on their own terms? I, I don't know that that's the value proposition you need to be going after. It's more a matter of how about we let them be them and you know, what are, what are your unique affordances? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, yeah. It, it, well, that, that's happening in the U S too, right? Yes, you know, that's like, right. you know, are you sure you want to be ASU? Why don't you be the best, whatever you are that you can be? You know? That's right. Yeah. That's, that's right. And you know, there, I mentioned MOOCs, right? Um, I will say, I guess there's, like everything that has rises, right? They have falls. I, maybe we'll call this a residual MOOC emphasis. Um, but this idea of large-scale courses getting attention and maybe recruiting students into paid learning experiences. Maybe they're free or low cost, and then there's a way to recruit into paid or academic um, kind of connections. That still is a, a kind of a thing, and it's a bit entrepreneurial, um, I think that some of the open, you know, in the British Open University sense, open educational efforts, I think are very global and egalitarian. But I think this entrepreneurial spirit thing of uh, uh, hook and uh, upselling, I think that's rather American. Yeah, I agree. I think maybe a corollary to that is the whole OPM market. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. a it's a free market kind of um, response to a need that institutions have had. Now, without commenting too much on that, because that space is in a lot of flux right mm -hmm. now, and we'll see mm -hmm. what happens with dear colleague and regulation and all of, all of that. But you know, essentially, institutions are outsourcing components of their services. Mm -hmm to a commercial entity as nonprofit, in many cases, governmental state institutions. 
they're outsourcing to a private for-profit entity to provide services to them that some argue are somewhat core to their mm -hmm. function. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are, you know, other institutions around the world that do use OPM or OPM-like services, but it's not like it is in the U.S. It's much larger here. Um, and, and I think that's an interesting um, American solution to a need is mm -hmm. sort of let the market uh, figure it out. Yeah. I suppose on that topic also, I, I'm, not, I'm not as clear. This feels rather American in emphasis but maybe it's happening elsewhere too, but it's, it's sort of a market-ish driven thing. And that's the, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, the non-credit, particularly stackable micro-credential online efforts and relationships to academic credit programs. I mean, maybe there's a little bit of a parallel there to the MOOC thing that I mentioned a while ago. That responsiveness to employer and employee needs and, um, what's happening in uh, uh, industry and, and career potential, that sensitivity that feels to me rather American. Yeah. Do you yeah. agree? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think that's true. There, there is, um, I think, a real connection to um, workforce needs yeah, that has right. only grown in recent years yeah. Um, yeah. here in the U.S. I don't know, I, one, this wasn't in our chapter, but one anecdote that I'll share that I think another difference, it's not so much about online learning, but um, intercollegiate athletics mm -hmm. is something that's just like in Europe, they, it's it's nothing mm -hmm. like it is here. Right, right, um, right, right. Maybe there's some Olympic sports or something that people do, but um, I, I, was, I remember hosting a delegation from Europe, various European countries, remember the Netherlands, I think Germany was in, there was a bunch of them. And we probably had a dozen, maybe 15 people. Um, it was over on campus, it was in the mm. library. It happened to be the day of our big pep rally mm. that they were here. And for those of you that are unfamiliar with UCF's <laughs> pep rally, um, it's a phenomenon. It's been mm. rated by ESPN as the best, you know, college pep rally experience because there's something called Spirit Splash. The students all run into our fountain. It's the one day of the year they can do that. And they go bananas. Uh, they throw rubber ducks and there's like rap music blaring and a marching band and cheerleaders are flipping and there's mascots. It, it's, it's pandemonium, a spectacle. And these Europeans, I said, let's come on outside and let's take a look. Their hair was blown back. They, had, they were like, "We have nothing like this. This uh -huh. is this is crazy." Like they they had no frame of reference for what they were experiencing at that moment, uh -huh. and I think that's uniquely American. That spectacle. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's right. Uh, plenty of plenty of days giving a wide berth to spirit splash. <laughs> yeah, <see>? yeah. <laughs> That's nice over there. See you. Bye bye. <laughs> I try not to get trampled on by the marching band. Yeah, that I think that's I think that's right. I guess there's um, this probably cuts across um, the globe. I think more, but we've certainly leaned in in the United States into to varying levels um, emphases on access and revenue and 
student retention and quality and affordability. Those themes we talk about a lot on the podcast here, but I think pursuing those underlying goals uh, through online education is both something that is very prevalent to one degree or another and something that's more generalizable, right, um, across the globe. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. I mean, everybody wants those things, mm -hmm. I would think. Although access is an interesting one. You know, in a lot of, a lot of countries, I, there's oh, like a, good point. an yeah. assessment test that's given, mm -hmm. and you get sorted into yeah. a vocational track or kind of a university mm -hmm. track, mm -hmm. and that, there you go. That's your path. Mm -hmm. And um, access becomes an interesting concept in that kind of a context, you know. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I mean, again... I wouldn't take this away from anybody, and I would encourage it for everyone. But I think the construct of social mobility does line up rather well with um, some of the historical American values of, you know, getting ahead, uh, the American dream, uh, and so forth, and education as a as a pathway. Uh, yeah. I think yeah, that's definitely a definitely a thing. Any other themes from the book that you think we ought to hit? Well, here's one more that wasn't in the book. <laughs> that, <laughs> a distinctly American uh, trait. Yeah. Just well, make up stuff and put I'll it just on make the it up. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe we should have, you know, maybe I should rewrite the chapter. It's probably too late now, but um, <laughs> European, for example, institutions are often available to their citizens at no cost. Mm -hmm. And um, that's a pretty unheard of concept in the U.S., right, and, right, you know, right, unless right. you've got some reason to get a scholarship, whether it's, mm -hmm. you know, athletic or academic or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. um, the, the average, you know, <laughs> citizen going to student, going to a, a university is, is probably not going to get it at no cost in the U.S. And, mm -hmm. um, and that's, uh, that's a little bit of a difference as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some might say... Uh, tragic, but you know, uh, it, it it is uh, American entrepreneurialism at its uh, as best, I guess. Let's try to make a buck. But you know, the con, I guess, the flip side of that is, which we touched on a moment ago, maybe is maybe to call it out is maybe more than a lot of countries, we tend to think that higher education should be within reach of everyone right, uh, in that way that bridges background and social class and all that. So it's ironic that, um, but, but not freely, you know. So, yeah. it's, so, so it's a weird uh, interplay between those two dynamics, perhaps. But no, that's a good point. Cool. All right. So before I put a bow on it, anything else mm -hmm. you want to you wanna add or, or highlight from the chapter yourself? Uh, I mean, maybe just the passing uh, reference, this seems to be American. There's a lot of talk around the United States these days about uh, birth rate drop-off and um, uh, demographic enrollment cliff, uh, maybe everywhere except in Florida, um, you know, is a, is, a, is a thing. And I think that is very much contextualized, right? I mean, that's gonna be country to country, region to region, you know, it sort of depends on what's happening. Um, in your particular area, but that's something that a lot of institutions are wrestling with in the United States right now. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, there's maybe one more that I kind of remembered that we did touch on in the chapter, which is kind of a, I think, a uniquely American thing, which is this concept of accreditation, mm, re yeah, regional right, right, right. accreditation. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, a ministry of education might, mm. you know, authorize an institution to operate within a country. But, you know, the idea of regional accreditors being the gatekeepers of, like, financial aid, you know, eligibility, coming from the federal government is, I, you know, I don't think that's common elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an interesting comment. And since so many of our students, especially online, are on financial aid, uh, that, that becomes an interesting piece of the puzzle. Yeah, no, that's well said. You wanna land this plane for us? Let's, all right, so, American online education continues to provide models for the entire global community. Mm -hmm. While some of these are distinctly American, others are adaptable in other national contexts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, take what works and ignore what doesn't. <laughs> hey, can I just say one thing about uh, the podcast before you kind of, uh, you know, ship us out? One, yeah. and that is, um, if, you're, if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast app, you know, give us a rating and a mm -hmm. review. It does help to... Um, allow others to find it if they're looking for content mm -hmm. like this. We do appreciate it. And if you're watching this on YouTube, smash that like button, as the kids say. <laughs> the kids, the kids. Yeah, rate and review, please like us. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, well, it's been good being with you, Tom, and uh, sort of virtually, uh, asynchronously uh, sharing a cup of coffee with you. You drank yours earlier. Uh, <laughs> I drank mine now. I wish I was drinking McDonald's, which is very ironic. Uh, so, so thanks for that. And until next time for TopCast, I'm Kelvin. I'm Tom. See ya.